This morning, I get to continue a series that we started uh, a number of weeks ago. Uh, We've been going through the Old Testament Ten Commandments over the course of the summer. And uh, in these commandments, we all have some experience with the Ten Commandments. It's one of those things, whether you grew up in the church or you grew up outside of the church, you've heard something of the Ten Commandments, you likely have an opinion about the Ten Commandments. I grew up in the church, and uh, my view of the Ten Commandments were just another one of God's list of restrictive rules because he hated people enjoying life and having fun. So he had to make all of these rules to just keep us miserable until heaven. And so heaven would feel extra special because life on earth was really bad. Um, And uh, it's been such an incredible learning journey to go through the Ten Commandments and be reintroduced to the heart of a God who gave these commandments to a group of people he had just set free from captivity. And he was sending them into a new land, the Israelites. He was sending them into this new land of freedom, and he wanted for them to live in freedom, not just to be free, but to live free. And if they were going to live free, he was giving them these rules for freedom. Y'all are free, but if you're going to experience freedom and fullness and joy, you are going to want to keep within these guardrails. You're going to want to keep these rules, and they will keep you experiencing freedom. And the same is true for us that if we want to experience and live the freedom and fullness that God has for us, that we would engage and embrace these 10 commandments and apply them to our lives. And so we've had a couple of challenges over the course of this series. One is just to read through the first um, 20 or so verses of Exodus chapter 20 once a week. And uh, I trust that some of you have been keeping up with that. Um, There is grace for all of us as we'll miss that occasionally. Um, And the other challenge is to try and memorize these 10 rules, these 10 guardrails in some form or another. And we will review that a little bit more Uh, next week. Today, we are looking at the Eighth Commandment, and once again, it is a punchy one. It is quick to the point, no fanfare, blink, and you miss it. If you don't believe me, check it out. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse number 15, rule number eight, very simple. You shall not steal. You shall not steal right? That's it. That's the eighth commandment. You shall not steal. And I'm so thankful for the simplicity of of God's words to his people because we may grab a hold of them and muddy them up and mess them up a little bit, but he had no intention or desire to confuse his people about the meaning of the words that he was speaking to them. And thankfully for us, the idea of stealing is exactly the way you grew up believing it to be. It's exactly what you think it means. Uh, And we'll put it up here on the screen, right? To steal is to take or use what I do not own without permission from the one who does. To take or use what I do not own without permission from the one who does. And God is saying, if you want to live lives of freedom and you want to live lives of fullness and you want to live lives of joy, for which I've unshackled you from slavery, do not take or use what is not yours without permission from its rightful owner. And uh, 
I don't have to convince you that this was not difficult for the Israelites uh, to understand. Just like it's not difficult uh, for us to understand. Uh, in fact, it's not difficult for anyone with the capacity to understand to understand. Um, this law, do not steal, is universally embraced. Um, it's universally understood, it's universally embraced. Um, Man, I was reading about a certain culture, I won't name it so we don't get super judgy about their religious practices, but in this particular culture, in this particular religion, uh, people would go to this religious um, facility and the religious facility, there would be a priest and um, on the occasion when the priest wanted to pronounce blessings on the people of that particular uh, congregation, the people would come and they would make a line and the priest would stand at the front and when you got to him, he would pull a, um, a coconut <laughs> out of a box and just break it on your head just as a way of just saying blessing to you. And I'm like, that's really strange. Now there's a different culture, I won't tell you what it is so we don't get super judgy about their differences because we don't know what they've been through, but um, in this particular culture, if you have a baby and you want to wish blessing and um, joy and peace upon that baby, the parents would take the baby uh, up to a tall building and throw the baby off the edge. And then people who love the baby on the bottom would have a sheet and they would catch the baby. And this is some way that would just apparently just bring blessing. Ask me, I think that's a little strange, what they do in that particular culture. Here's the fascinating thing. In both of those cultures and every other culture you know, the thing that is universally embraced is you don't mess with other people's stuff without asking them. That rule applies across the board. It's universal, not difficult to understand. In fact, it's not just universal, it's intuitive. There's something just gutty about this law. That's why you don't have to teach a child that it's not okay to take something that doesn't belong to you. And so when they, when they grab it, they look at you like, uh, are you going to do something about the situation you just saw and fold before your eyes? Because something in me knows this is not okay. And more than that, every child without being taught understands that a, um, a war crime has been committed against them if you take a toy out of their hands without asking like this isn't right this is not the way life should be i'm just trying to tell you it's not just universal it's intuitive but for the israelites it went a layer beyond that uh, for the israelites hearing this this would have been a revelation for a group of people who had lived as slaves and for them the idea of owning property was loose or vulnerable at best. Listen, their slave masters could come and take their stuff at any point, take their kids at any point. They didn't really rightfully own anything. So when they heard of this, it would have been a revelation. Wait, this God is now telling us we have the right to steward certain things and people can't touch my stuff without me giving them permission. That is an empowering new reality in which they were now invited to live and God is saying yes I'm inviting you into freedom and I want to create a world that you want to live in and you don't want to live in a world in which somebody can come and just take your stuff without asking that's not the world that you want to live in so behold the eighth commandment embrace it put it into practice so that you help to create the world that you want to live in with this newfound right to property this was such a beautiful word for them. Um, but here's what is very, very fascinating. Beyond all of that, uh, I think God is giving them this command 
because he knows that as much as everybody is hyped right now and excited right now about this new world of freedom and this new right to property, reality is going to set in very, very soon. And they are going to find themselves tempted to take each other's stuff. They are going to be tempted to steal from each other. Not the Egyptians, y'all. The Israelites, you who know all too well what it's like to have your property taken without being asked, you are going to turn around before you know it and you're going to be tempted to take from each other. No, not us, Lord. This rule cannot be for us. We would never, and yet God, and this is what I want us to lean into, God is saying, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about them. I'm actually talking about you. You will be tempted to steal from each other in the community. God gives them this rule because he knows how deep in their hearts there is the propensity to steal. This is a principle of propensity. God gives them this rule because he knows about them what they might not know yet about themselves. Y'all are going to be the thieves and y'all are going to want to take other people's stuff for yourselves without their permission. So he gives them this freedom guardrail to rein them in not just to keep others out. This is really important. See, because uh, here's the thing about the, uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, everybody loves the Ten Commandments for everybody else. I don't know anybody who has a problem with the Ten Commandments. Just please, if you all would just obey these simple 10 rules, life would be perfect for me. Um, do not steal. Amen to that. Amen. Please, all of y'all listen. Right? Because if the Bernie Madoffs of this world would just obey this simple command and not scheme people out of millions and millions and millions of dollars in these complex pyramid schemes. Like, how beautiful would life be? Thank you very much. If, 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 if the Haitian gangs would not take and, 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 and apprehend and commandeer this gas that doesn't belong to them and these sources of water, then kids in Haiti wouldn't suffer so much. So... This command is awesome for them, right? If terrorists wouldn't steal airplanes and, 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 and fly them into buildings, life would be so much better if everybody would just do what they're supposed to do. Man, it was interesting. When I was growing up, um, I feel like I can sell it's a little bit of a klepto. And it started young. Like when I was young, I would steal sugar from our home. 
I don't mean like steal it and take it anywhere. I just mean like there was a jar of sugar, and every time I walked by, I would literally grab a handful of it and just throw it in my mouth. And so I apologize to my kids right now for the judgment they're experiencing with their little sweet teeth uh, because of my crimes. Like I would just, no matter what my mom said, I would just handfuls of sugar, and A, it was gross, and B, it was just depleting our sugar supply. Uh, but I would do it nonetheless. Um, oh man, well, while I'm confessing, my friends and I, when we were teenagers, we would do something we called snow dropping. I have no idea why we called it snow dropping. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just confessing in the presence of God's people. Um, but we would literally jump fences, go into people's yard, and steal clothes off their lines. And we'd just take them. It was just shopping, Right? I cannot even tell you how many people right now are still looking for their favorite t-shirt. Like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it was in the laundry one day and I've never seen it again, right? That was us. So if you know anyone looking for a missing t-shirt um, from Australia many, many years ago. Um, the amount of uh, Cadbury chocolate that is missing from Woolworths, the Australian grocery store, on account of my five-finger discounts, it could feed Haiti. Like, I mean, and I'm talking real Cadbury, not the stuff you all make here, but I, I just, I, it's, the klepto thing, it was a thing, man. I just would take stuff. And all I'm trying to say to you is when we hear the eighth command, do not steal, everybody loves that rule. For Bernie Madoff, and teenage condo. Like if, if y'all would just stop doing this, life would be a lot better for all of us. But God isn't talking primarily to them about them. God is talking to them about themselves. And here's what he's saying. Do not take or use what you do not own without permission from the one who does. Do not steal your neighbor's stuff. And I'm talking to you. I am talking about you. Because here's the thing, just like the Israelites, we tend to come to truth, and let's be honest, we tend to come to church with an ear to hear what everyone else needs to hear, right? Those crooks, those crooks. And I'm telling you, if we immediately think about all of the other people who steal and all of those crooks and all of those people who need to hear this word, we will miss the freedom and the fullness and the joy that I believe God invites us into through the portal of the eighth commandment. God, if you just bless me and change them, the world would be great. God, if you just protect us from all of those thieves and just, we are going to miss what God wants to say to adult condo and the Bernie in you. Because here's the announcement I wanted to make this morning. You are such a thief and you are so prone to stealing. And if you don't realize that, you will waste a beautiful invitation 
from the heart of God. So I'm talking to all of us thieves. What? Me? How dare you, sir? Well, if you don't believe that you are a thief or prone to thieving, let's play a simple game. Let's call it mission points. Am I a thief? Or perhaps we could call it mission points. I might be a thief if. Because I want to suggest that I'm talking to a room full of thieves. Like, you better clutch your purse. Um, if you have ever scrolled Instagram or Facebook or you've ticked the talk on the clock when you should be working, you might be a thief, a time thief. Little company time thief you. And you don't want to live in a world in which millions and millions of dollars are lost every year to these companies at the hands of people who are unproductive on the clock. So then don't create that kind of world. But I'm just saying you might be a thief. Maybe you're not a time thief. You're just a straight-up money thief. If you have ever charged a meal or any other kind of expense to a business account for a non-business matter. And you've even pulled off one of these, ask me how work's going, how's work going? Going good, great, work, check it off. So you can justify the expense. I'm just telling you, you might be a money thief. If you've ever taken budget dollars that were allocated for a very specific thing and you used them for something that they were not allocated for without going through the proper channels, you might be a money thief, and God is talking to you. If you have ever left work early, but you recorded on your timesheet the full hour and called it just rounding off to the nearest 60 minutes, you might be stealing money from your company. If you've ever underpaid your employees when you know what you should pay them in order to keep a little bit more, God's talking to you. Money thief. Oh, maybe you're not a money thief, you're just a stuff thief. If you've ever taken a pen from a restaurant or a bank without asking for it, or it has their logo on it, so I assumed that it was just for the taking. Did you confirm? No. If you've ever just made the assumption, well, the hotel has so many of these shampoos, they won't miss it. It's chained to the shower, bro. <laughs> like, just saying. If you've ever deliberately stolen somebody's spot in line at the grocery store when you knew you had more than 10 items in your cart, 
If you've ever gone into your kid's room, parents, and you've just taken something, and you've said, well, everything in this house is mine, technically. Well, yeah, but Nana bought that for them. That's not yours. Or everything in this house. God's talking to you. Don't go here, condo. Yes, I'm going here. Some of us are streaming thieves. Ooh. If you have ever illegally downloaded Napster, remember Napster? <laughs> or illegally watched a movie on an unofficial site online. With a blurry lion, you know, it's like, that is not an original. You might be a thief. Can I go here? Yes? Yes, okay, thank you, Lauren. Um, if you have ever used somebody else's login information to watch Netflix, but you're not paying for it, I'm sorry, did I say Hulu or Disney Plus? Doesn't matter. Showtime, HBO, you are stealing from these companies. Just ask, does Netflix want you to do this? Don't you ever tell me church is not practical. Have I missed anyone? I can keep going. Some of you may be credit thieves. If you've ever accepted praise or gratitude for something you know you didn't do, mom did that. And here you are telling you, because you're welcome, kids, we love you. Right? This is me at Christmas. Thank you guys so much for these gifts. What is the gift? <laughs> I don't know, but you're welcome. We work hard for you. <laughs> He's talking to me. You didn't do that project at work. Stop acting. Taking credit from the boss when he steps in and thanks, you should be. Mm -mm. It wasn't me. You're stealing. Some of you may be idea thieves. If you have communicated a thought like it's original to you when you know you just read that thing somewhere on Reddit, right, and you did not, even that. Some of us are not idea thieves. We are identity thieves. What? You have seen somebody else's life online. And now you are committed to trying to steal their life and, and their image and, and their look or whatever it is so that you can somehow get whatever it is they have. Stop stealing somebody else's identity. You already got yours. And yet we do this on a regular basis. All right, one more and we can move on. Some of us are responsibility thieves. If you've ever done more of your kid's school project than they did, you are taking responsibility that doesn't belong to you. In fact, this can get super strange. If, if you've been walking just like that, 
and somebody bumps into you, and then you said to them, sorry, my bad, you're a thief. It's not your responsibility. Why are you apologizing and taking responsibility for something you didn't do? For some of you, you've been stealing responsibility. That's your dad's. That's not on you. He knew better. He did it. That was not your fault. But you've lived with, you've taken someone else's something that is not yours. It's not just that we steal credit. We often steal responsibility and we often steal shame that is not ours. And I'm just trying to tell you, God is not talking to them about them. God is talking to them about themselves. He's talking to you. And if we don't realize that, we will continue, listen to me, we will continue to break the eighth commandment and either not realize it or minimize it. And we will continue to move against the freedom that he is inviting us into and we will miss out on the fullness and the joy that is ours because of this very thing. And for some of us, I'm telling you, there are areas in our lives that are locked up because we continue to live stealing and taking things that we don't even notice anymore. We don't even think about it anymore. Why? Because I'm not Bernie Madoff. I'm not Al Capone. I'm just dating myself with these references. And all the Gen Xers and Zers are like, who? Although they probably Googled it on their phone. They know. They know now. Um, but we are going to miss out on the places God wants to break us free and move us into places of fuller joy. The question isn't whether or not you steal. The question is not whether or not you are prone to just be like, I don't know who it is. Somebody left it, so I'm just going to take it. There's someone in our house who does this. Like, has anyone seen the half sandwich I left lying around? Like, oh, I've been sitting there for 35 seconds. I just assumed you were done with it, right? Um, but the point is, it's not whether or not we do it. It's whether or not can we recognize this is speaking to us and maybe start to ask the question why we do it. And as I thought about that, um, man, my mind went rushing to Genesis chapter 3. Um, if you have a copy of the Bible, you can turn there. Uh, the story of the fall, Adam and Eve, um, God's first creations, they're living in the flawless garden called Eden in a perfectly sinless world. This was unbelievable. God shows up every day and he walks in the garden with them. I don't even know how that worked, but the point I'm trying to make is life could not possibly have been more ideal for Adam and Eve. Everything in that paradise was theirs to fully and freely enjoy, except God gave them one rule. You may not eat the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. That's it. The hundreds of other trees feel free to consume at will. But this one tree in the middle of the garden, you may not eat from. Enter Satan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. 
Now, uh, the serpent, the snake, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he, the devil, who's commandeered a, a snake of some sort, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Listen, the devil is genius level in the art of deception. He is brilliant at it, and he knows how to do it with you if you are his target. He will rarely tell you to step off the path of freedom. He'll be so subtle, very subtle, and he will tempt you by twisting things enough to leave enough truth in it that it sounds familiar and close enough to what God says, but it's the complete opposite. Very subtle. So by the way, it should not surprise you if uh, the ways in which you will be prone to steal feel close enough to being okay. That you don't even think about it. Oh, he can go to work on us and have us believing we have never struggled with stealing a day in our lives. It's for those people. <laughs> What I do, it's different. It's explainable. And so when somebody gets up and says, you shall not steal, we're like, this one's not for me. He's very good at what he does. And man, here's the master lie he sows in Eve's mind. Did God really say, you can't, eat from any tree in this paradise. Can you believe that? Like God won't let you eat from any of these trees? Wow. That's in the same universe as some of the words God used, but it's the complete opposite of what God actually said. God said, enjoy the hundreds of trees in this garden except one. Satan sows this very dangerous lie in the mind of Eve, the woman, and it is the deprivation lie. And the deprivation lie says God is holding out on you. He is so stingy. He is so restrictive. He doesn't want you to have anything good. He doesn't want you to have any fun. Whatsoever, can you believe how much good stuff God is holding out on you? And what we don't realize is the thief in our hearts is the part of us that has listened to the deprivation lie that there is joy to be experienced in this thing if I can just get a hold of it, but God is so restrictive and he's keeping me somehow from something good. God doesn't want us to be happy, right? Which is the lie I believed about the Ten Commandments. God is restrictive. Christianity is all about a bunch of ridiculous rules. That's why I don't want to follow Jesus. At the heart of theft is a lie that God is holding out something good and we've got to make it right by helping ourselves. And by the way, tucked in this um, 
deprivation lie is what I'm referring to as the deserver's lie. The deserver's lie. Um, it's the idea that God is holding out on us something that is kind of due to us. We kind of deserve it. We steal because we believe not only is God holding something good from us, but we kind of deserve it. I mean, I've suffered enough, and after all that I've suffered, I just think it's right that I should have. I've been so good for so long, I deserve this little reward of some sort, and God's obviously holding it out, and he's not going to give it to me, right? I've been so stressed, so I feel like this kind of relief is owed to me somehow. I'm the parent. All the stuff in this house is mine. So everything is kind of owed to me. And there's a spirit of entitlement that believes it deserves something, right? In fact, that's the argument. Eve, what on earth makes you think, well, I feel like I should have it. I deserve to be happy, right? There's this entitlement that the enemy loves to sneak in. Verse number two, okay. Uh, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. What a powerful exchange by the way, one that will be good for us to dial into. Now, first of all, um, God did not say you can't touch it, but still, wow. Devil moves right into the next lie that we are going to find ourselves stealing if we buy into. And uh, it's what I'm calling the dilution lie. The dilution lie. Uh, you definitely won't die, the devil says. What does a dilution lie do? God didn't really mean what he said. God doesn't really care about that. Oh, that's not a big deal anymore. Um, don't worry. It really doesn't matter that much to him. What the dilution light does is it brings down how much God meant what he said. And when you start to dilute what God said, you start to defend what you do. Like, nah, did God really though? He's not going to do that. Come on, that's so old school. This one doesn't matter that much anymore, which is why we can hear the words, do not steal. And for many of us, we're like, hmm. That one, I mean, does God really care that much about that one? The thief in you, especially in the church, will necessarily believe the lie that your version of stealing is not a big deal. I mean, they have millions of dollars anyway. I mean, after all the extra projects that they threw on me at work, surely it's okay for me to round up to the closest hour and take time back from them. That's not that big a deal. After all the pain that I've been through, I think I'm owed this one little 
pleasure? I mean, is it really stealing if it doesn't hurt anyone? It feels like a victimless crime to me. I mean, it's not like we're watching that much more Netflix on their account than they would have watched themselves while they're on vacation. And so Netflix, they don't even need it. They're not going to notice. They're not going to miss it. And what we start to do is we start to dilute what God has actually said. And that's the devil convincing you, well, at least you're not Bernie Madoff. I'm just saying we steal because we believe that there is deprivation in our lives and fixing it by taking something owed to us is not that big a deal. God won't mind. Won't he? You won't die. Come on. He doesn't care. You won't get caught. I'm just asking, where have you so diluted God's truth that you don't even think stealing applies to you? Verse number five. For God knows that when you eat from it, the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the final layer of the devil's lie. And this is the final layer of the thief's deception. And I'm calling this one the doppelganger lie because we've got to alliterate. It's biblical. God knows that if you have that thing that you really want, but it's not yours to take, the thing he's holding out on you, the thing that's kind of owed to you after all that you've been through, the thing is not really that big a deal. God knows that if you grab a hold of that thing, it will unlock your dreams and your deepest desires and happiness will come flooding. And remember, God hates your happiness. And the way the devil says it to Eve is God knows that if you eat this, the doors will open and you will be like God. You will have this supreme experience of ultimate ecstasy and enlightenment. You will be like God. And God doesn't want that for you. That is massive because the thief in us believes that there is a level of this enlightenment or ecstasy that we will experience if we have a little bit of that thing, or if we take that thing, we're going to be a little bit more supreme in whatever it is. And I'm just asking you, are you aware of the ways in which you believe that taking whatever it is, no matter how small it is, that's not yours? Are you aware of the ways that you believe it's going to lift you to a level of life, a level of supreme significance or supreme satisfaction or safety or self-sufficiency. It will make life simpler for our family. There is a lie in you somewhere that believes if you have it, it doesn't matter how small it is. If I eat this little thing that's not mine, it is going to bring about some level of satisfaction. If I can just get a little more of something, then it's going to give me a level of security. It's going to give me a sense of significance. If I can just steal their identity and be like them, then I'm going to be significant. 
And those lies are whispering in our hearts. We believe God is depriving us of something that's not a big deal anyway. And if we have it, it'll make us supremely whatever. And here's where the journey to me to freedom begins. A, by acknowledging our propensity. And B, by dealing with that doppelganger lie. Let me review for anyone who might have missed last week. Um, God created the entire universe and he did it by speaking words. Whatever he wanted, he created by simply speaking the word until it was time for him to create humanity. For that one, he got off his throne and he came down to earth got in the mud and he started to shape with his own fingers, putting his own fingerprints on the frame of the first human being and then he breathed life into Adam and Adam came alive. Why did God do that? Why did he put fingerprints on Adam? He tells us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Uh, Because this one, unlike anything else, we want this one created in our image. Let me say it another way. Because we want humanity to be like us. The doppelganger lie. The devil will try and convince you to take something that will make you what you already are. It's a doppelganger. It's a duplicate. He will convince you to steal, to take something, and it will give you what you already have. He says to Eve, God doesn't want you to be like him. Eve is like, I'm already like him, baby. That's the whole point of my humanity. He made me in his image. You are offering me to go an illegal way to get something that I already am. And he would do the same thing to you. He will convince you if you can just take a hold of this, it will make you more of what you already are. It will give you in many regards what you already have. And if Eve was convinced of this in a perfect world, who are you to ever sit around and say, I don't think thieving is ever going to be a thing for me? How much more us, but then enter Jesus, y'all. He silences these lies in us and he stills our souls if we trust him. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come all the way from heaven to earth that they might have life and have it to the full. The devil is lying when he says God is holding out on you. When God has released his son, not only to come into the world, but to come to give us fullness of life. Deprivation is a lie. And so the devil will try and convince you, listen, 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 if you can just have this, you are going to find satisfaction. And Jesus is saying, I came that you might have more than you could possibly handle in terms of fullness and joy 
and satisfaction. Don't let the devil convince you God is holding out on you when he has given us Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What's Christ's is yours. Do you know how spoiled that makes you? And the enemy is going to come and tell you, like, listen, if you just take something that doesn't belong to you, it's going to give you, like, do you know how rich I already am in the person of Jesus Christ? He wants you to steal what you ultimately already have access to. That truth will change your life. When you wake up in the morning and you just declare, I already have it. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That's amazing. That's powerful. In order to be who God has created you to be and do what God has called you to do and go where God has called you to do, you have everything you need. Because my Bible says, if Jesus is leading me, I lack nothing. Now listen to me. You may not have what they have because you don't need what they have to go where you've been created to go. And so all of a sudden, the devil's convincing us to steal stuff from other people. That is, that's their journey, not mine. So I don't need it for what I'm called to be and where I'm called to go. The idea that I'm lacking something that will make me more of who I already am or who I'm already called to be is just a lie from the devil that's silenced as we follow and trust the shepherd, Jesus. I may not have that tree but I've got 10,000 trees just for me. So I don't need to take that. I'm good. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is our significance. That thing is not going to make you more significant. You already are. God has handcrafted you and he's handcrafted a job just for you to do. How significant does that already make you? Whenever you start to feel deprivation, like I need to do something or look like, the reason I jumped into people's yard and stole their clothes was because our family was relatively poor and I wanted some name brands that I could wear to school because if people saw me wearing name brands, it would give me a sense of significance. And in Jesus, that is silenced as I'm reminded, oh, no, no, I've created you with my own hands and created with my own hands work for you to do. And you don't need to be wearing Gucci to do that. And I love that the Ten Commandments start that exact way. It's with a God announcing to his people, I love you. That's why I set you free and I brought you out of freedom. I'm taking you into this promised land. I am your father who loves you and cares about you. And I've got you. That's the heart out of which the commandments flow. And when we believe that and we're reminded of that, the lies of the enemy start to die. And our propensity to want to take stuff that is not ours without asking permission is quenched in the presence of a God who is with us and he's for us and he's supplying and is providing and is our source. And he is our significance and he's our sustainer, he's our supplier, and he's all of those things. And we start to find freedom and we create the kind of world that we want to live in. And by the way, if you want to know how your heart is doing right now in the area of trusting that Jesus is your significance and he's your supplier and he's your satisfier, if you want to know where you're at in terms of 
your propensity to steal. It's simple, y'all. Take the generosity test. How generous are you? The opposite of stealing is generosity. Giving people stuff they never asked for. Now, all of a sudden, you are jumping fences just so you can figure out a way to leave something that makes life feel a little more significant, that supplies a little more for the people in your world. Now you are being generous, and now you're starting to create the kind of world that you want to live in. You are starting to become an agent of freedom for the people around you because you understand he's my ultimate supplier. I'm not losing, I'm just passing it along. He's going to continue to supply. If he's my fullness, I will always be full. If everything that's Jesus is mine, then I'm never going to run out. And now I believe that I'm... I can't outgive his supply and his resource, and you're going to find yourself more generous. But if you are holding on to stuff and you believe if I give it away, I lose it, you are going to be prone to steal because now it's on you to stash and to store and to keep all your stuff and to protect it and all of that. How generous are you? Trust the supplier, Jesus, your shepherd, and also be generous. Go and give something to someone else, and you will find the lies of the enemy starts to fall away. As Paul says, go work hard with your hands so you have something to give people. Stop stealing. Start giving. Stop being a taker. Be a giver. And then you find yourself being just like Jesus and being just like the Father who gave us all things in Christ. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your generosity to us. Thank you that you are constantly looking for excuses to provide and supply for us. Help us to trust you. Help us to believe that. And help us to reflect you in our own generosity. Jesus, forgive us for the ways that we have stolen stuff. Forgive us for the ways we have minimized it. Forgive us for the ways we've belittled theft in our own lives, calling it a deal or calling it shrewd. Forgive us and bring us back onto the path of freedom and from your church. May a generosity arise from people who trust you as their ultimate supplier and their ultimate shepherd. And even now, I pray that somebody would believe they lack nothing. They may be resources they don't have compared to what they used to have or compared to what someone else has, but we follow you and we lack nothing. Help us to believe that and help that to be reflected in how generous we are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.